I uh, sincerely believe, I'm not saying it because just to endear myself to you, I believe that was the most beautiful version of that song I've ever heard. I can hardly speak just being caught up in the worship of the Lord. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, choir. Wow, it's awesome. Do you have that every Sunday? Whoa, whoa. We need to move our membership. All right. Well, you have uh, more blanks. Uh, if you weren't here in the first hour, I told them uh, nothing that uh, uh, aggravates me more than a speaker who hands out blanks and then you go home with, with half of them unfilled. So I will uh, try and fill all the blanks for you. And uh, this morning it's my desire to, uh, as I mentioned again last hour, to share with you in, in this time here uh, the number one thing I believe that began to transform my personal prayer life uh, from one of frustration, one of doubt, one of wondering, uh, you know, what's this prayer stuff all about? I know as a Christian and certainly a member of a Christian organization, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes on staff, no less. I mean, I told them in the first hour, I got paid to be good. Most people are just good for nothing. But uh, if you don't get that, well, I'll explain it afterwards. But uh, the, the point being that, that uh, I, uh, I was frustrated with my prayer life. And the enemy was trying to convince me that you, you're wasting your time. You've got more important things to do than spend time being frustrated about something you're not very good at. So I want to I address that uh, issue. The, uh, you have your handouts. Uh, and before I get started on the very first one, the foundational scripture, I realize that I'm in a strange place for you because I'm not your normal person here in the pulpit. And I know that Pastor Sean in our conversation yesterday when we arrived and even the four hours that we spent on the telephone together leading up to this, praying together, talking about this conference, I know he's a passionate man after God's heart and loves you, loves being here. Uh, but I, I just know I was frustrated about my prayer life. And, uh, but I also know that before we get there that, that because I'm in a, a, a place that I'm not normally in, you don't know who I am. So you're wondering, you came to church today wondering, is this guy going to be worth my time? Uh, so I found out a long time ago you, that the best thing you can do when you're uh, listening to a strange person, I hope you don't misunderstand that, uh, is, to, uh, is for him to tell a joke because the benefit of, uh, of, that, of your speaker uh, telling a joke is, uh, number one, it kind of helps break the ice, kind of helps you to calm down and relax and, and say, okay, now number two, uh, because he just told a joke, he must have a really good sense of humor. And number three, if he has a good sense of humor, then he must be an all right guy. Uh, and if he's an all right guy, number four, then, then I can probably trust what he has to say. Unfortunately, when the pastor told me the time frame I had this morning, I don't have any time for jokes. So let me just get you, let me just get you right to the bottom line. 
I have a great sense of humor. I really am an all right guy. And I promise you can believe most of what I say because it comes right from the word. Okay, so from there, here we go with your outline in hand. All right. There is so much in the book of Genesis, it would be easy to get lost in what you see as the foundational scripture. Genesis 4.26, among all the stuff that goes on in Genesis, 50, chapter, 50 chapters of drama, and uh, among all the things that are going on, tucked away in chapter 4, it's not even the first part of the chapter, it's the very last part of the chapter, and the very last part of that verse. But it says, <clears throat> at that time, men begin to call upon the name of the Lord. Men begin to call on the name of the Lord. Do you know that 107 times uh, in Scripture that phrase is used, men begin to call upon the name of the Lord? And several years ago, I took a course, uh, and then also later on in 1988, Betty Joe and I took a course uh, that introduced me to the names of God. Now, there are hundreds of names of God. We're looking at 10 this morning, and we're not going to look in depth at all of them. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me as I began to be introduced to the names of God. He said, why don't you begin to incorporate those names into your prayer life? I mean, why, why learn the name of someone if you're not going to call the name? Why just memorize and make this an academic achievement? Okay, so I can name 10 names of God. Big deal. Why don't why don't you begin to incorporate those names into your prayer life and, uh, and see what happens? And so I began to do that. Uh, I began to uh, pray in such a way, always finishing up in Jesus' name. I am not suggesting to you that I no longer pray in Jesus' name. Uh, but I had to wonder when I looked at that, I had to wonder about guys like Abraham and Noah and Joshua Jeremiah and Isaiah and all those Old Testament heroes that we read about and say, you know what? Jesus Christ had not come to earth. Jesus Christ had not been introduced to them. How could they pray in the name of Jesus? Well, then, then whose name did they pray in? Who did they pray to? And so that put me kind of on a search of, of, of that whole idea as I began to look at the names of God, these ten. And I began to incorporate those names. Now, here's what it did for me. What it did for me was to give me a sense of uh, a relationship with him, which is what prayer is all about. I, uh, I don't have my phone with me, but I just read something that came out of a war room movie, uh, a book written by the Kendrick brothers. But the opening statement I thought was pretty cool, uh, first page or second page. It said, prayer is not about prayer. Prayer is about a relationship. If you think it's about prayer, then try picking up your cell phone and just holding it to your ear. Nothing happens. Because your telephone is not about your phone. It's about connecting, connecting with someone. And, uh, and so I thought, that's cool. So First Baptist Church, Eastland, you're the first time that's ever heard that from the pulpit, from me anyway, all right? Uh, that, that one's free of charge, no, no, no charge on that one. Uh, the idea is I begin to do that because when you are uh, 
when your name, let's just pretend like your name was Buddy, pick a little guy, uh, and, uh, and all the way through junior high, your nickname was Buddy. And so uh, you're now 20 years in the marriage or 10 years in the marriage, so you've grown a little bit, lost a little bit of hair. All good marriages, the guy loses a little bit of hair. Except my friend here, Mel. You know, he's got a great marriage, but uh, I don't know how he did it. I need to hang around you more, Mel. But uh, I, I tell guys with heads full of hair, you know the difference between me and you is when I walk out of the barbershop, I get changed back. <laughs> All you other guys have to pay the full amount. Uh, but anyway, uh, and so now that I'm completely off track, I don't know where I'm at. Uh, anyway, so if your name was Buddy and someone 20 years later called your, uh, your home phone and your wife hands, answered the phone and said, uh, is, uh, is John there? She would turn the phone over to you, but she would probably whisper, not one of your longtime friends. Because if he was a longtime friend, he would have called you buddy. I, I also relate this. In my uh, family, uh, we called our now 46-year-old son, uh, assistant athletic director at TCU. Love that guy. He's got a great job and, and uh, love hanging around. That's one of the reasons we're in Fort Worth. That's where they live, of course. But I called him Tiger Man. And our daughter, I called Princess. And my wife, for the 50 years we've been married, I call her Honey Bun. Now, nobody else calls Betty Jo Honey Bun. Nobody else calls our son Tiger Man nor our daughter Princess. In fact, when she was getting ready to turn 30, I believe it was, she said, Dad, you know, I've been a, a princess for a long time. When do I become queen? <laughs> and, and I said, Honey, in your home, you are the queen. But in our home, your mom's the queen, and she will always be the queen in my life. And so nobody else calls him by that name. What that tells them as they were growing up is, hey, me and my dad, we got a special relationship going on here. There's something unique. Nobody else calls me Tiger Man, Princess, or Honey Bun, and so I like that. that, that that's a term of endearment. So I begin to approach that with these names. Uh, and, I, and, and I begin to sense a greater, I think that's one of the, the real struggles in prayer is we can't, we can't touch him that way. Uh, we can't see him the way I can see you. Uh, sometimes hard to feel him. So the enemy says, you see, he's just a figment of your imagination. Why don't you go talk to that tree out there, to an automobile passing by or whatever. Uh, you do about as much good with your prayer life as that. What are you doing? And so what this did for me was it began to, as I incorporated those names, I began to have a sense of greater connection. And I'll give more illustration of that. Uh, two key benefits. Well, the Revelation uh, 22:13, Genesis 1-1, Elohim. Fundamental scripture, Elohim. Genesis 1-1. And Alpha and Omega, he's known as Alpha and Omega, Revelation 22, 13. Two key benefits and blessings of knowing and speaking the various names of God as we pray, number one, a greater sense of our personal relationship. And isn't that the way it is? When, when you have a, a personal relationship with someone who knows you closely, uh, doesn't look at you and say, I, I know I've seen that face before, I just I can't place the name. 
when you have that command of that name, makes you feel good when they call you by name. Everybody likes to be called by their name. All right? So personal relationship. And number two, a more focused and fulfilling sense of having truly connected and communicated with Almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth and all things. And imagine if you got a call from the president of the United States of America, would you say, put him on hold? I don't have time right now. No, I mean, you'd say, wow, and you'd go tell your friends at school or whatever, hey, 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 <coughs> guess who called me? I mean, you'd be excited about the fact I got a phone call. I got to talk to the president of the United States. What's he done for you lately? No, I, you wouldn't say that. But the point being that, that uh, you would just know that you'd be excited about that. Well, multiply that by infinity, and we have the privilege of talking with Almighty God because of the love of the Father and of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. So let's get these names of God filled in. They're going to appear on the uh, screen here, and, uh, and you'll fill them in, and, uh, and then we'll go in a little bit more depth. Elohim, let's put, them, let's put those first ones up now. Elohim, creator God. Adonai, Lord and Master. Are they on there? Am I not, am I not seeing them? Uh, okay. I know they're on there. All right. Because these names are not normal names that you, I mean, these are Hebrew names. And in, in the Hebrew tradition, the names of individuals mean something significant. So Elohim, creator God. Adonai, Lord and Master. El Roy, the God who sees. By the way, uh, my wife and I, the older we get, the more we call upon El Roy to find the keys. He, she knows where my car keys are. Where are they, El Roy? Quit hiding them from me. Where are they? Uh, just a little bit of a true, but joking. El Shaddai, God Almighty. Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. Jehovah Rohi, R O H I, the Lord is my shepherd. And number 10, Jehovah Shema, the Lord is there. Now, the, the names of God are meaningful, <clears throat> and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of challenge you here to think about. When, when, you, when you hear the name of God, what comes to mind? That's slide number one, guys. I know I threw you a curveball. Sli slide number one. When you hear the name of God or the name God, what comes to mind? Now, I know you think something. Because I'll give you an illustration. When you think of the name George Washington, what comes to mind? All right, President of the United States. Now, pulling all politics aside, when you hear the name Donald Trump or Bill Gates, uh, what do you think? Financially wealthy, successful businessmen, uh, powerful influence, when you hear the name LeBron James 
or Tom Brady? What do you think of? Outstanding basketball player, outstanding football player. When you hear the name Garth Brooks or Taylor Swift, what do you think of? Oh, he's my milkman. No, you don't think of that. No, you think of outstanding country western singers and performers. All right? How about Harrison Ford and Merle Streep? All right? Now, you may think of other names, but the idea is when we hear a name, something happens in our mind that we get a picture, we get some thought about that name or who that person is. Years ago, way before these uh, youngsters here, sorry, uh, when you're my age, everybody under 50 is a youngster. All right. So anyway, uh, the point being that, that we used to have, I remember growing up back in the 50s, we had Bill the milkman and Tom the postman. I mean, you knew these guys. They delivered milk to your door and, and mail to your house and uh, Bob the mechanic and stuff like that. So there's something. And so what comes to your mind when you hear the name of God? And so A.W. Tozer, a respected pastor at one church in Chicago for a long time, author of over 50 books. Here's what he says. What we think about God is the most important thing about us. You can see what we, uh, instantly when we hear that name, what we think is so important. A, a, a pastor, former pastor of First Baptist Church, Dallas, and president of the uh, uh, O.S. Hawkins uh, pastor who I'm talking about, Godstone, Godstone Retirement Program for Pastors. Uh, anyway, he wrote a book called the uh, Joshua Code, and it was 52 scriptures that every person ought to know. And he started off, our whole men's uh, Bible study at Prestonwood studied at all three campuses. And uh, the very first one was Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God made her, uh, in the beginning was God, and he made heaven and earth. And so the, the idea, he said, if you can get the first four verses of Genesis 1-1 down, if you can understand that and agree with that, then the rest of life will fall in place. In the beginning was God. In the beginning, God. So the whole idea is <clears throat> it's so important that we know the names and that we call upon those names. All right? So, uh, guys in the media booth, good job jumping around there. Way to go. Appreciate it very much. Let's, uh, let's talk about uh, those names, okay? <clears throat> Elohim, creator God. Uh, in October of 2005, now I had been practicing this for quite some time. Betty Jo and I uh, were down to our last nickel. We believed that God had called us to be prayer coaches. I had a coaching athletic background. I had uh, then worked for 24 years and actually six as a volunteer, 24 on staff um, with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, meaning I was involved with coaches at every different level and with athletes, all right? And, uh, and so now he said, uh, now that I've called you out of uh, FCA, uh, then I want you to be a prayer coach. I want you to come alongside pastors and churches who desire to fulfill uh, the empowerment that I will give them if they will truly be a house of prayer. And so uh, in doing that, uh, I'm, uh, in 2005, uh, we have no income, uh, very little income coming in. And, uh, and so we're down to our last few months, maybe a couple of months. 
knowing that we know that we know we're supposed to be doing this. And all of a sudden, a check comes, an envelope comes, uh, unannounced, very nondescript envelope, and we open it up, and it was a check for $15,000. Now, these came from a couple who were living in Arizona. We were in Dallas. We have not talked to them in uh, quite a while. They had never given one penny, much less a dollar or more, to the Fellowship of Christian Athletes that I was working on their staff. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, of course, we know where it came, Jehovah Jireh, he's our provider. See, that's a, a main thing we've got to learn one time is, is that Jehovah Jireh is my provider, not my job. Yes, the ABC Brick Company may pay me, but that payment comes from Jehovah Jireh. He's the one who gave me the job, so forth. All right, so all of a sudden we get $15,000 from this couple. Did not call us ahead of time. Did not call us to find out if we got the check. They knew we got the check because we called them. But the idea is that, amazing. And six months later, they, again, unannounced, they just sent us a check for $10,000. So $25,000 within six months. You can bet that I sat by my phone quite often and went to the mailbox quite often. Uh, they've never given us, they've given us other, other funds, but it came, it came, the point is it came right at the right time, right when I needed it, because I had been calling on Jehovah Jireh, I had been calling on Elohim. See, Elohim is the God who creates. Have you ever been in a situation where you thought it was a no-win situation? Here's an illustration you're familiar with, Exodus 14. In Exodus 14, it's a, 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 a description of God had released the Israelites. Moses was leading them, but he, the, the, what, in front, what was in front of them was the Red Sea. And as they looked behind them, what was behind them? Pharaoh and the army. You talk about being a rock in a hard place, or how about an ocean and uh, impossible situation? They knew that death was imminent, and yet they called upon Elohim. They didn't call upon Jesus. They didn't know Jesus. I'm not substituting for the name Jesus. I'm just saying incorporated. So that's what I did. I called upon Jehovah Jireh, and I called upon Elohim. Elohim, if you are capable of creating the world and everything in it, then, in fact, you can create a situation like he did for the Israelites. Who would, you, you, you think there was anybody there who said, hey, guys, don't worry about it. God's going to part the sea here and, no big deal. No, nobody knew what he was going to do. They just knew that they were in for a bad time. And so God, Elohim, created a way where there seemed to be no way. You ever been in a, a, a pickle where you felt like, man, there is no way out of this. I don't know what, what's going to happen. Call upon Elohim. And so uh, then you have uh, El Roy. El Roy, the God who sees in uh, 2007, uh, we have gone to Las Vegas with the uh, National Prayer Committee, which we are members of. It was an invitation that we were unexpecting. Uh, and, uh, and we went to uh, Vegas, and we got out of the uh, cab van that uh, dropped us off from the airport. Uh, and the National Prayer Committee meets uh, twice a year, once a year in January and once a year up in Washington, D.C., in the National Day of Prayer. And uh, I got to the uh, registration desk, reached for my billfold, there was no billfold. I thought, oh my goodness. Wow. Must have dropped out in the van. So I tried to find the name of the company. I didn't pay any attention to the name of the company. 
Uh, and so I finally, you know, someone else knew the name of the company that picked us up. I called them and they couldn't locate the driver and then they finally called me back and said, yeah, uh, he, he doesn't know, he doesn't remember finding a, a billfold. I'm thinking, yeah, right, if I found a billfold, maybe I wouldn't remember either. Uh, but I was hoping and trusting he was honest. And so the point is <clears throat> that uh, then we went over uh, to the airport and, uh, and, and said, okay, I'm going to talk to the security guard. I walk up to the security guard who's standing outside uh, of the terminal, and I said, if, uh, if I lost my billfold, perhaps here in the airport, where would it be turned in? Just as I'm mouthing that word, that question, Someone from a cab comes running up here, and it's a cab driver. And he said, I was walking around to let the rider out of, the, uh, of, the, of my cab, and I saw this billfold here. And so I was going to come give it to the security guard. And I looked at it, and it was my billfold. Now, can you believe that? I mean, uh, it was an amazing thing. I knew right then that Elroy had found my billfold. He knew where it was all the time. He was just waiting on me to call on him and trust him to deliver it to me, help me find it. So again, I just encourage you, okay, Elroy, you ever lost something and you tried to find it? Trust God to help you find it, all right? Jehovah Jireh. <laughs> we, uh, uh, there are many things that, that he's done, but Jehovah Jireh, the, the whole idea of uh, this really stuck out in the spring of 1984. The Fellowship Christian Athletes, I've been the Dallas director for six years, and uh, they said, we want you to be the state director. And, uh, and if you say yes, I think they told me this after I said yes, actually. You get to raise the money so you can then get paid uh, as the state director for FCA. I said, oh, did we forget to talk about that? Uh, they never had been a state director. So uh, we wrote a letter uh, under Tom Landry's signature, and uh, we asked, Lord, uh, that uh, people would give to the FCA for this new state office. But we called upon Jehovah Jireh, and uh, we got such a response to that that the original funding for that, which was going to be $50,000, uh, we left more than that. When we left uh, 17 years later, uh, we left 75000 plus in the account. And so the point being that the, the response that God provided when we asked Jehovah Jireh to provide, he says that's his name. He says he'll provide. And so the whole idea of, <clears throat> the whole idea of using these names, uh, spring of 1991, Jehovah Shalom. Our son is in the desert storm uh, in the army. And Betty Jo and I are asking God, we can't be there. Uh, we can't help him. Uh, and people would come up to us in church and say, aren't you the one that has a son uh, because we're praying for the military? Don't y'all have a son over in the, in the war? And we said, yeah. Well, we've been really praying for you. And we're praying for Jehovah Shalom uh, to give us peace uh, and, uh, and to give him peace and so forth. But you know what? Uh, Jehovah Shalom is the God of peace. We never had a wakeless night. We, uh, we absolutely would go to bed. Now, CNN back then was staying on all night and, and showing stuff, and people said, you must be staying up all night. Uh, you must be worried sick. Your son's going to be killed. 
And I thought they must be new to Dallas because you can be killed on, on Central Expressway in, in Dallas. Uh, not killed from speed, but killed from not moving. And somebody comes up and hits you. But the whole idea is that Jehovah Shalom was faithful. He gave, and when, when that war was over, I, I am not stretching the imagination. When that war was over, we, you know how you, you, uh, you hear this, uh, the, the, the idea of we're lifting you up in prayer? We're lifting you up. God does that. He, it's like he brings you into a, a different level of your walk. And uh, because when that, when that uh, war was over, the prayer, uh, uh, the, the number of people praying for us, some who didn't even know us, uh, we, felt, we felt like, wow, uh, I can tell the war is over because we don't have that sense of peace uh, like we did uh, when our son was over there. Uh, and so <clears throat> the Lord is my shepherd, 1981. Uh, I went to an automobile dealer. Our Dallas staff, I wasn't state director at the time. This is the last story I'll have time to tell you. But I went to an automobile dealer, and I was asking him, you know, Jehovah Rohi, you're our shepherd. What does a shepherd do? Well, a shepherd leads his sheep. So why wouldn't Jehovah Rohi direct me? So if you're in a situation where you've got two choices or multiple choices, why not call upon Jehovah Rohi to give you some clear direction, some clear sign of of what direction to go. So I asked the Lord, and there was a Christian, uh, Ted Treadaway, Toyota dealer, and I went to him. The Lord just said, go to him. I went to him, and I asked him, will there be any way, because our staff was putting a lot of miles on their car, and they needed demo cars. Now, I don't know if you know this, but a lot of the university, not so much high school, but a lot of university coaches uh, in the football area, sometimes basketball head coach, will have a demo from a automobile dealer, and you drive them 6,000 miles and then turn them in and they give you another one. And so I was asking this Christian businessman dealer, would you be willing to provide one car for our staff of uh, five and, uh, and, and then help me find four other dealers who might do that? So he said, well, let me think about that. And uh, he called me back uh, the next day and said, go see these dealers. So I went to see these dealers, and uh, I didn't even get in the front door. Most of their secretaries protect them when they know that someone like me is coming to maybe ask for a, a free car for, you know, whatever. And so I went back to him, uh, as he asked me to, a week later, and he said, uh, well, how'd you do? I said, Mr. Trailway, I didn't even get in the front door, much less ask and get turned down. Uh, so I don't know. He said, well, I'll tell you what. He said, I'm good for one. Let me work on this, and, I'll get, and, and then you'll come back, and we'll see what happens. So I go back a week later, and he says, you know what I'm thinking? As I've been praying about this, would it be okay with you if uh, I provided not only your car but four more to go with it? Could I provide you, instead of five dealers providing one car each, would it be okay if I, now he didn't say it this way, but this is the way I interpret it. Would it be okay if one dealer provides five cars? Would that be okay? Now, you've probably walked long enough with the Lord to realize there are some things you don't have to pray about very long. And that was one of them. I said, yes, sir, I will do that. So the idea is I had gone to Jehovah Rohi, God our shepherd, and asked him what direction to go. I didn't know what else. I've had other stories like that. But I, I just want you to know that, that incorporating the names of God 
makes you have a sense that you have a special relationship with the Lord. And if that's what it takes, which it was for me, if that's what it takes to motivate you uh, to pray because you have a sense of, hey, I'm getting with my best friend. Why wouldn't I want to get with my best friend? And not because my best friend's going to do everything I tell them. You know, that's not what best friends are made of. Best friends are reciprocal, love and respect and, and, uh, and being with uh, uh, each other and so forth. But the, the whole idea is that the fact that, that by incorporating those names, it made me feel like I had a special relationship, just like our son and daughter, my son and our son and daughter, knew that they had a special relationship because I called him Tiger Man and I called her Princess and, of course, Betty Jo Honeybun. So uh, you say, well, how do you do that? And I just uh, have to say, uh, let, let me illustrate that by inviting you. And I want the Holy Spirit to, to speak to your heart. If, in fact, you, uh, you have an estranged relationship with anyone in your family, we've got one going on and have had for a while with Betty Jo's younger brother. The other younger brother has already passed away. <clears throat> and we've been praying for quite some time. You see, we are continuing to pray that uh, Elohim will create a way where we can communicate uh, where somehow her brother finds out how much we love him and how much God loves him. And so perhaps you have a, a, a relative that uh, is separated from you and even worse, separated from God. If you would like uh, for me to pray this morning for you to uh, trust God to restore that relationship that perhaps you once had, I'm going to ask you just to come forward and stand here. Uh, you're not going to be by yourself because all of us, most of us, at one time or another, have had a struggle with a relationship that we know does not please God. It does not make us feel good. And, uh, and so I want to demonstrate, if I might, uh, by way of praying for you this morning, uh, how do you incorporate the names of God into your prayer life? And, and I'm not going to sit here and use all ten names just to impress you that I can pray all ten names. I've got them memorized. I know who they are. I know what they do. But I'm going to incorporate some of the names just to show you this is what I do in my, in my, not only in my private prayer life, but in my public prayer life, in my corporate prayer life when I'm praying with other people. I believe so much in the names of God that he is who he says he is and he will do what he says his name says he will do that I trust him for that. And so let me just uh, ask you to pray about it. I know we don't have a lot of time, Pastor, so I'm going to ask you, uh, I'm going to invite you to come forward if you would like for a special prayer. Uh, perhaps, uh, perhaps, you, perhaps you're not even a believer if there would be someone here who does not know Christ as Savior. Uh, I'm going to ask God to provide a way for that to happen. But I know this gentleman is not the only one here that has a relationship with someone that you would like to see God intervene. It's only by divine intervention that God's going to do anything. Uh, that's only by our invitation will he do anything because he's not going to force himself upon you. Uh, and so if you have a relative 
perhaps it's a neighbor, perhaps it's a work associate, perhaps you're praying for them to uh, be, uh, come to know Christ, perhaps you're praying that, uh, that, that for some reason they seem to have uh, broken away their relationship with you. And so we want to pray. We want to pray and ask God to divinely intervene. And he will do that because he is a God who, in fact, does just that. So if you will uh, bow your head and, and we'll pray. And if you are in the midst of praying, if you want to uh, come up here and join. But God, sometimes God will hold up his answer uh, for a better situation until he knows that you're trusting him for that situation. He knows that you can't do it on your own. He's waiting for you to know that you can't do it on your own and that he is the God who is supremely capable of doing what nobody else can. Lord God, we, uh, we recognize you right now as Lord and Master. And we don't take anything for granted. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this life you've given us. Uh, and we're asking, Lord, uh, that uh, by your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would uh, guide our steps. You are Jehovah Rohi. Guide our steps today, Lord. Every decision that we uh, make, uh, every step that we take, may it be steps and decisions that will bring you honor and glory. Thank you that you are Elohim, that you're a creative God, that what I look at in this situation, in this relationship that's broken with uh, Betty Joe's brother, Richard, and among these people, as they think of who it is, they, they want you to divinely intervene. Elohim, you are you're the creator God. There's nothing impossible for you. And so we acknowledge that. We praise you for the many ways you've gotten us out of a bind in the past. And now we're asking you, Lord, to divinely intervene in this broken relationship. That's what Calvary was all about. And if you'll do that for me at Calvary, how much more will you do it for my lost brother-in-law or whomever? So thank you that you are faithful. Jehovah Shalom, I, I pray that you will give peace to these individuals because they have demonstrated their faith in you to make happen that which they cannot make happen. And that causes stress and, and uh, depression or discouragement. God, will you honor your own name by intervening here? You are Jehovah Shammah. Jehovah Shammah, you're the God who's there. Thank you, Lord, that you're there with these uh, relatives. And though they may not acknowledge that, they may not recognize that, they may not even care to do that, thank you that you're there, always reaching out to them. Elohim, you're going to create a way for them to hear that and to receive that. Thank you, Jehovah Shalom, that you, you'll give me the peace to trust you for that. In fact, not only am I going to trust you, I'm going to begin to thank you for that, for that restoration of this relationship. I'm going to thank you because by thanking you, Lord, I know that I am demonstrating my faith that you are who you say you are. 
that you're all these and many more, by many more names can we know you. But we're trusting you, and so we're thanking you by faith. We're not waiting until we see it with our eyes. That's not faith. So I pray that you'll fill each one of these disciples standing before me here and others, Lord, that, that you would fill them with that faith, with that peace, with that confidence of knowing who you are by your names, and that you will answer their prayer. I thank you, Lord, that you don't answer our prayer just so we can go brag about it to someone. You answer our prayer to prepare us for the next time that we're going to need you, but also in the meantime to, to share a testimony. Thank you, Lord, for a faith that can stand the testing. For without testing, where is the faith? A faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. So, Lord, we are together as a group. We're trusting you that you will be exactly who you are, that you will bring restoration to these relationships. And when that happens, Lord, would each one of these standing here before you today, would you remind them that, yes, on April the 10th, 2016, you stepped forward and you trusted me. And now I've done what you've asked. Will you tell someone else that they might be willing to trust me also? Lord, this we pray individually. We pray corporately. Now, in the name above every name, that name that is matchless, that name that you have given us as our Savior and your Son, the name of Jesus Christ, for your glory and none other. Amen.